Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor, and I'm joined today by all of my colleagues, Kevin Crewell, Francis Sadeco, and Steve Leibson. Today, we're just going to take a quick look at, you know, what our top predictions are for 2022. Obviously, with COVID still raging, with the tech industry facing labor shortages and supply shortages like everyone else, you know, there's a lot of key topics going on, and technology is more important now than it's ever been in the industry and society. So with that, let's just get right into it. Kevin, you're first up. What's your biggest prediction for 2022? Well, one of the things that's gotten a lot of attention over the 2021 was the whole metaverse thing. And this is part of a continuation of the growth of AR, VR, and virtual communities. I see that is not going to explode this year, but it is making significant progress. There's a lot of discussions on it. We're seeing one of the founders of Second Life coming back to Second Life, trying to reinvigorate the the platform. Obviously, Facebook is invested heavily in Oculus and is trying to create a new social uh, platform in VR that they call the metaverse, which is analogous to, you know, what we've seen on Ready Player One and others. But unfortunately, it's it's, these are all locked into very uh, limited mini metaverses. And what we hope to see sometime this year is maybe a growth of of some people looking at a a broader picture of how we can interconnect, how we can hack the existing closed ecosystems to open them up. And certainly in the hardware side, we're seeing some significant progress on AR and VR. We have uh, new new headsets for AR and VR rolling out this year, second generation of Magic Leap coming out this year. Tilt 5 has got their AR gaming glasses coming out for board gaming. Uh, we're seeing new VR headsets coming out. So I think the hardware and software are moving ahead. The rumors of Apple doing something in AR VR is probably a 2023, 24 timeframe. But there's a lot of anticipation of what, when Apple enters the market, that the market will then become even more robust and uh, will take off. So I think what we're seeing now is is a slow, steady progress through 2022. And then 2023, I think we're, we're going to see some significant takeoff in AR, VR, and so-called metaverse platforms. Okay, Kevin, let's boil this down to a number. One being hype, 10 being reality. Where are we now? Well, we get, uh, I, would, I would agree the old classic hype cycle. We've gone through a tremendous amount of hype. We're still in the hype part of it. So it's still got to come crashing down. And then once we've lowered our expectations then I think you'll start seeing some real progress. And that, again, that's 2023, 2024. So you think I should go back down to zero? Uh, yeah, I think it, well, I think it's going to go. Well I, think it's, well, I mean, right now there's a lot of people trashing the whole concept of metaverse. So there is, uh, you know, a negative effect that Facebook has created on, on the metaverse uh, concepts. So I think we've got to wait, wait that out. Okay. All right, Steve. Yes. How about you? What's your biggest prediction for 2022? Well, my biggest prediction for 2022, I guess, is got negative energy because all of this activity that we're seeing with announcements from like Intel and the new Ohio Fab site and the huge budget that uh, TSMC is uh, expending on uh, capital equipment, $40 billion, 
none of that's going to have any effect on the current ship shortage because none of that's going to have any effect until 2024, 2025. So uh, I, I read uh, just uh, this morning that the Department of Commerce was saying that the United States has only got a five-day supply of semiconductor chips, which is that's kind of typical for standard coverage from the general press because it's as though every chip is the same, whether it's a microcontroller for a Ford F-150 or it's a server chip from Intel or AMD. But the reality is that you know, chips are going to be in short supply. Current fabs are running at their limits. People are adding fab capacity as quickly as they can. But demand just jumped by a factor of five of the beyond the expected demand thanks to COVID. So it's going to be a tough year. There's going to be a lot of shortage. And it's going to be quite a while before we dig ourselves out of it. Yeah, we should probably tell people that also that's going to be new state-of-the-art fabs. They're not going to be addressing all this older chip shortage and these older technologies. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I agree with that. And I also believe that these fabs are not necessarily going to get facilitated, right? You're going to build a shell, and then it remains to be seen whether the funding is going to be there for the equipment to fill the fab. I believe, Jim, you're quite familiar with that in Arizona because you've seen fabs go up and then be empty shells for years. Oh, yeah. I've seen fabs empty for over a decade. Yeah. So And and Intel, Micron, Global Foundries have all noted that they're expecting money from this uh, U.S. Chips Act and from the EU to throw in money for future fab expansion. So, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on that money. A lot of it's also going to depend on market conditions because you don't fill a fab if you can't keep it full. So, you know, as, a, as somebody who just retired from Intel, uh, I know that they're they are just putting the pedal to the metal. They're they're trying to ship every piece of silicon they can get out of that fab, uh, and it's still not enough. The customers still want more, which is a good thing for Intel. It's amazing how things change because just a few years ago they had Fab 42 completely empty, no equipment in it, and they were at 67 percent uh, utilization. Now they can't ship enough. Right. So that's an abject lesson for people who keep saying. Well, I think we're out of the cyclic nature of the semiconductor industry. <laughs> no, we're not out of the cyclic nature of the semiconductor industry. And I don't see that ever happening because the time lag that it takes to ramp up new fab capacity is always going to be on the order of years. And it's never going to be as uh, fleet on its foot as the demand cycle. Completely agree. Completely agree. Hey, Francis, what about you? What's your biggest prediction for 2022? So, Jim, I think from my side, I'm thinking that any M&A that is already existing now or will come up over the next year that requires Chinese regulatory approval will continue to, to have challenges there. At the very least, until their elections you know come to pass, and then depending on what happens with those elections that could tell us whether or not this will continue to be a challenge. So we've already seen some rumblings around the NVIDIA ARM acquisition potentially uh, potentially falling apart. AMD and Xilinx are, are still there, you know, on the surface. And from a technical standpoint, business standpoint, that all looks good, frankly. But it, it's seeing some delays. So over the next uh, probably 12 months, you know, if we see any M&As at all, we're probably going to see more smaller acquisitions or 
it, it, maybe it's bigger companies, but acquiring smaller companies or maybe more more private companies that might not have that Chinese regulatory requirement. But any new acquisition, especially amongst two big, maybe to a merger between two big companies that will require that approval, we're going to really need to look at what's going on there to see if it's got a chance of closing within 12 months. Even 18 months or or 24 months. Yeah, 18 (laughs) would be great. I mean, when you start getting into 24 months, it starts to, to, I think, impact investor confidence and uh, and then you start facing other issues there. But I think even, yeah, if you can get 18 months, that would be great. That's that was what was happening a few years ago. But I think I think we're going to continue to see challenges there for sure. Well, and we saw the the Qualcomm acquisition of NXP stall out in China. We don't know what's going on with AMB and Xilinx right now. So yeah, you're right. It's it's going to be a tough year, especially because we don't have. Uh, they're holding their Communist Party elections later this year, and they're probably not going to move on anything until at least after those elections. At least, so yeah. So good point. Now it's my turn. I think, and this goes back to CES, that 2022 is the year of autonomous machines. And that is not really just cars, because cars are coming, but it's slow. But it's really the impact of autonomous machines and everything else. All the robotics, all the drones, everything else. You know, CES had anything from the tractors to, you know, manufacturing robots to transportation robots, delivery robots, all this stuff. I think 2022 is kind of a year where all that kind of explodes. And the reason is, is because a lot of that's been coming up, especially throughout COVID. But with COVID still raging, with um, the inflation rates, with labor rates increasing, with labor shortages also, I think that's forcing a lot of businesses, even the ones that traditionally wouldn't have looked at automation, are being forced to. And that's anything from... Uh, one of the examples that uh, Steve gave earlier was talking about, you know, or or Anne Francis talking about supermarkets where some of the um, Amazon stores are going towards the supermarkets are going towards being, you know, no people in it. You know, you just basically walk in, grab your stuff, walk out. It's all pretty much automated. Same thing even with food preparation or hospitality management, stuff like that. I think we're going to see more and more automation throughout society and throughout every industry throughout 2022. Jim, you might want to talk about John Deere Tractor too. Oh, love John Deere Tractor. They've been doing autonomous driving tractors for 20 years. Now they're actually getting down to the actual individual seed level. So they're looking at autonomy in terms of planting the seeds spraying or uh, pulling out individual plants, whether they're weeds or whether their plants are too close together, automation for picking, automation for spraying weed sprayer. They're basically looking at automating every aspect of farming, which gets to one of the key areas where we've had huge labor shortages over the past couple of years. You know, what's in, what's interesting is I, as I listen to Jim, your prediction and Kevin's and even to some degree, Steve's prediction on the manufacturing and, and, and how we might fill those, those fabs, especially when you look at AR, VR, meta and autonomous, I think there's actually, and then you add on it, by the way, we haven't mentioned it yet, which we'll probably do another podcast on this later on its own, but you, you sprinkle some 5G dust on top of all of that. And we might have here kind of the, the, the seminal beginnings of really an explosion of that whole metaverse paradigm, because 
you know, all that automation would benefit from increased AR, VR, and even meta. And even on top of all, all of that sitting on top of a, a backbone of a 5G communications network that will help with any kind of latency issues. I think there's some connections there that maybe aren't as obvious to see just as we look at each of these different things. So you're saying the real world becomes automated and the people move into the virtual world. But, but potentially. <laughs> or oh, even... This sounds like a dystopian um, movie, doesn't it? Maybe I've been watching too much sci-fi, but I mean, yeah. on the auto- autonomous side of things, I think there's a virtual reality part of it where maybe it's not fully autonomous, but maybe remote. Um, and I think that's where the connection is when it comes to these kinds of things. Like I said, anytime we talk about predictions and things like that, maybe I get a little too uh, too excited with my sci-fi roots, but <laughs> I think it's coming. Well, speaking of that, Francis, I, I agree with you on the 5G, but I'm not sure that 5G dust analogy is a really good one to use in the current climate. <laughs> well, it's more of a it's more of a mag- magic dust. You know, you sprinkle it on top of everybody, e- everything. And even it, worse, yeah. you're not helping. <laughs> Although, uh, Francis, and I don't know if you saw it, but Hyundai was actually, you know, they bought Boston Dynamics, the robotics company, and they were promoting the whole concept of MetaMobile, where they had autonomous and meta or, or avatars, physical robotic avatars that you could connect through through the metaverse. So I don't think you're that far off. There's already people obviously actually working on that so that you have robots that can do stuff autonomously or be controlled by you remotely. So, so, so you, you, could, can, you could be a robotic dog. Exactly. Well, you know, these things already exist, by the way. I've seen advertisements for sick kids in hospital who attend classes through remote, remote robotics uh, and they have a, you know, they have a picture up on a tablet on top of the robot and they have cameras. So, so we're already there. And, and, you know, Kevin and I, especially, we've been reading about this stuff in the cyberpunk science fiction novels since the eighties. So we know it's going to happen. We just yeah, but that's back. more remote, remote presence. Yeah. I mean, they no, can see. Actually remote presence, we've, I've seen that remote presence at conferences, especially like Santa Clara conference center yeah. you just have the ro- so if you couldn't attend the conference your your movable robot would attend it as well but imagine being able to work in a lab or being able to work in a hazardous environment like a nuclear power plant it, i could see it or even on a manufacturing line you never know there's a lot more development for that kind of presence but, it'll uh, be interesting it'll be yeah, interesting well, tom swift did it in the 60s so i know that's going to happen too Well, there you go, everyone. This is Tyrius Research, predicting the technical future and the future of society, all wrapped in one. With that, I think it brings us to the wrap of another Tyrius cast, and I think that's a good time to wrap another Tyrius cast. Uh, Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem, from sensors to the cloud. This includes anything from custom market sizing, product and competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and even marketing strategies. If you'd like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at Tyrius Research. That's T-I-R-I-A-S research.com. Then there's Jim at Tyrius Research, Francis at Tyrius Research.com, also Steve at Tyrius Research.com. And also visit our website at www.tiriusresearch.com. What a surprise. That's a very creative uh, name. Anyway, please keep up with us on social media as well, where we predict things on a 
minute by minute basis. At Tyrius Research is uh, our Twitter account, or you can get our individual feeds, which may include both corporate views as well as personal views. Steve's at Steve Leibson, S-T-E-V-E-L-E-I-B-S-O-N. I'm at Crewell, just K-R-E-W-E-L-L, because I was there early enough to get my last name. At F. Sideco, which is Francis, F-S-I-D-E-C-O. And then Jim somehow is weirdly a tech strategist, which he misspells as T-E-K-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-S-T. It's creative licensing. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be the boss. Also look for our articles and podcasts in Forbes, EE Times, EE Journal, ECT News, Microelectronics in Taiwan, if you read Mandarin Chinese. In addition, we also have white papers posted on our website and a link to our newsletter, which you can also subscribe to if you'd like it sent directly to your email. The newsletter comes out usually monthly and covers topics we cover in articles, research, and white papers. And you can find this and other Curious Cast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Just search for Curious Research. That's T-I-R-I-A-S. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this Curious Cast or recommendations for future Curious Casts, please contact us directly at steve at curiousresearch.com, kevin at curiousresearch.com, Francis at curiousresearch.com, or jim at curiousresearch.com. Thank you and have a great day. <laughs>